Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. is swithened o'er the moorside, and the hearth brasses glimmer in the white night. Oh, if this hearth could speak, what whispers would it cast across the bar, what laughter it would burn. But, dear Swainsman, speak it does, in amber, ash and smoke. See its forked tongues wag, its burnished mouth open in the moon underwater. Oh, Robin. Robin, Robin, Robin. How are you doing, sir? Yes, pretty good, pretty up. It's a pleasure to be here in the moon underwater once more, to invite another guest to create their dream pub. But before we before we let them in, Robin, you know it was the opening of the tomes ceremony today in the correct realm. Oh, yeah, the tomes ceremony. Yes, yeah, yeah. Someone was cutting a ribbon. Every year... Uh, people bring out their tomes into the street and have the ribbons cut and they will each read a passage in turn as the um, the scrollman goes past in his many robes. We really did. And, and was, we actually got Angela Ripon in to cut the ribbon as well. Yes. Which was a nice touch. Yeah, Ripon on the ribbon. And then we all head up to the library here in the correct realm, which is sort of based on um, Borges' library. Oh, yes, the Library of Babel. The Library of Babel, where every single combination of letters exists mm, in a book. Mm. Robin, you can flesh that out a bit more. You have to read them all until you find the story of your own life, don't you, or something like that? Uh, well, that's a good point, John. I mean, it's a great short story, The Library of Babel. It's just it's more of kind of thought experiment. But there's a very good novella called A Short Stay in Hell, which I think the author's name is Peck, where he kind of fleshes out the idea that, that it's a kind of afterlife where you have to find the story of your life. Mm-hmm. It gets incredibly bleak. People kind of jump over the side and fall for millions of years before hitting the bottom. Yeah, because if you imagine every combination of letters being available in a library, which is what we've got here in uh, the correct realm. Yeah, there'd be a book saying exactly what we're doing now, which would be weird, wouldn't it? Well, there'd also be so many copies that are the story of your own life. Yeah. 
but with one typo. So it would take an infinite amount of time. Because what if you read your whole life, and even up to the point of you going through the library for a million years, and then you get to the end, and it says, you know, uh, and then he uh, then he turned into a tree. Yeah. And you didn't. That wouldn't be the story of your own life. Would it have to include ending up in the Library of Babel as well? Well, surely it would. Yeah. Anyway, it's a it's a terrifying thing to think about. It really is, isn't but it? But it's a pleasant thing here because no, we don't have to do that here. We just go and go. Oh, look at that lovely big old library! Isn't it massive? <laughs> yeah. uh, and then we all come back to the moon or underwater for a big knees up. But there was a special sort of frisson in the air today as the people brought their tomes outside. I love a good frisson. I love a good frisson myself because they knew that a tomesman was coming over from the other realm into the correct realm and bringing with him the library he keeps within his own mind and what a library it is i think what people have done you know a ticker tape parade robin yes that they have in new york city for american football players uh well they've arranged a parchment parade to welcome our guest this week which i think is very (laughs) fitting that's lovely yeah i can see him sort of batting away all the parchment now as he crosses the road and there is a health and safety angle because it you don't want to get, you know, end up with a thousand paper cuts. Uh, so it is sort of a smooth-edged parchment. And uh, he's now coming through the door. Yes, it's poet and comedian and spoken word performer as a live and breathe, Mr. Rob Orton. Hello, Rob. Hello, John and Robin. How are you doing? Just to set the scene for those listening into these murmurations, Rob has beautiful long hair and a beautiful big beard, and he looks sort of every inch... The folk wordsmith, don't you, Rob? At the moment, yes. It does make a difference to your life. People look at you differently, I find. So I'm always reaching for the clippers. But then I have an audition and then I have it with the, do the audition with the beard. And then it always takes a while to find out if you've got the part. So I think I'll, I'll keep it until I find out if I've got a part. Right, because there was this whole um, thing, wasn't there, with a CGI moustache on Superman, wasn't there, a few years ago? Was there? Yeah, the actor had a moustache, and they had to CGI off the moustache, didn't they, in every frame? What type of moustache was it? I don't know. You look every inch the pubsman, and indeed, we have been to pubs together on a few occasions. Are are you at home in a pub? Yeah, I I do very much like um, going to the pub. I think it's always, you know, the first few minutes of being in a pub is something that I enjoy, like um, finding the people that you're going to be with if you haven't uh, walked through the door with them. You know, looking around at people's faces that you're not looking for and then finding the ones that you are looking for and then going, oh, there they are, you know. I think there's something in that. Is, is that a big part of the way you approach things? Is, is, is the first bit that's the best bit? Yeah, it is. I love, the, like, the start of films. I absolutely love. Just because of the optimism that goes with it. Thinking, oh, this could be the best film I've ever seen. And it's almost the same when you go for a night at the pub, isn't it? Thinking, this could be the best night I've ever had. I do go into things like that, thinking, oh, yeah... Come on, let's let's be having you, you know, um, which can lead to disappointment. So, how does it compare to the end of a night in a pub? Well, this is something I 
I don't know. I think that the the beginning and end is like the start of a film is you're often as sober at the start of a film as you are at the end of a film. For me, I don't really drink when I watch films that much. But I've recently been thinking about the memories of the end of nights of drinking in pubs. And then, you know, it's an obvious point, but they're often quite blurry, aren't they? And I was thinking, would I, if I didn't drink, how many more memories would I have in my brain, you know? Such a good point. Also, I think you very rarely sort of walk back from a pub with a friend and say, God, that got a bit weird towards the beginning. (laughs) You know, you're often thinking, oh, that was really good until this person got a bit drunk or that person said that thing or they we had that conversation got a bit intense whereas you're always like oh it was so nice to meet up and see those people and have that first pint or two and yet we allow sort of the certainty of uncertainty to take control of the end of an evening because even though it feels like an adventure where anything could happen it's usually oh Phil got too loud (laughs) you know that sort of thing or I wish they hadn't started talking about Brexit. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like, I don't think I've ever seen any of the people who I drink the most with, like, drunk. I was thinking, I don't know what they're like drunk, because I'm always in the same as drunk, you know. So it'd be interesting to see what what they are like, or, like, I don't think I've ever seen my mum and dad drunk, because they weren't, I don't have any memories of that from childhood, and... When we're drinking now, we're always kind of drinking at the same pace. So that's that's interesting. So you never see the difference that drink is making on people you get drunk with because you're at the same level. Phrase I would use to describe you, Rob, and I think it relates to your uh, your shows and your writing, but also your attitude. And this is meant with no negative connotations, but it's sort of wide-eyed. Like you take a very big view but you also have a very positive approach to things and you perhaps, like all like all the great poets of our age, you see stuff in the everyday that other people would probably, probably not pay attention to or might miss. And you, that thing you were saying about like walking into a pub and, and enjoying looking for your mates, but it's not just that you're looking for your mates, you're also seeing the people you're not looking for. And I noticed that in a lot of your poetry that you're, you're, you're seeing things. So a poem you read on um, the show with uh, Ellis about a uh, seagull. It was the sort of thing that every single person who's been in that situation with a seagull on the street has been in. Do you think it's your job to extrapolate that into a more interesting territory? I think I uh, get a lot of enjoyment from doing it. I was thinking about that today, like just trying to... You know, every now and again when you're sitting at your desk or whatever, you're like, what am I doing? What am I trying to do? Um, And I think today I was just like, well, I'm just trying to create enough space and time for myself to kind of stop and have a bit of a look around and uh, try to look and then then write. But uh, fixating on things isn't always a positive, is it? And like, it's, there's a lot of, good stuff to fixate on and there's also a lot of negative stuff to fixate on so it's, I guess at the moment I'm just trying to that's why I tried to go in wide-eyed and look at the positives because um, 
I, I think that's what I want to try to put out into the world is going, whoa, can't believe it. Look at this. Look where look where I've been born. Oh my God, you've been born onto the same place as me. Flipping heck, this is, this is pretty cool, isn't it? We've all got like... So, like the same amount of throats, you know, and all we've got in common, and how close we are to being each other. Like, I always think about that. Like, if you've been travelling through space for ages and ages and ages and ages and ages, looking up for other life forms, and then you came onto the Earth and go, and you find yourself on the tube, and everyone's got like, pretty much everyone's got the same amount of arms as you or fingers or whatever, and you go, "Whoa, God, I'm so close to being you," and then you're like, "Oh, no one's talking to each other. Why? Why not?" That's the thing I saw recently, which was this thing. I think it was a professor that said, "If a walk to the supermarket, if you didn't have kind of your normal habits and your normal sense of ritual or the everyday, if you'd had stripped all that away, you'd be completely overwhelmed with sensory, you know, overload of just going to the shop." You know, I think like that's an element of your writing that I like. You know, that kind of that you've you've got you kind of seeing things for as they really are without the living in the the trenches of the everyday but i do i do get like feeling like feeling a vertigo sometimes of going well i guess like that's that's the verge of just um completely losing it and that's like like some of my favorite musicians and writers of you know like that lyric in neutral milk hotel song of can't believe how strange it is to be anyone at all can't believe it? how strange it is to be anything at all yeah and I feel like that. And then like you look at pomegranates and things like that and go, what are you doing here? You know? Yeah. <laughs> what are you trying to do? But it's so hard to focus on that, isn't it? I've, don't, don't you find? I mean, that's the thing that's, you know, I, I always have this thing of like when I'm on my, you know, my commute and you do it every day. And I, start, I sometimes do this thing where it's like, imagine that you're in a new city and you're seeing all this for the first time, like you're getting the bus from the airport. And it kind of really makes things open up a bit more, you know, and like you're seeing it with fresh eyes. Yeah. Now, you can really see those people, can't you? When I remember, where was I? In Madrid, on the bus, going from the airport to the city. And you could really tell all the people who were seeing it because they've got that specific like neck head movement of looking around (laughs) like on the bus going, oh, well, well. And then obviously the non-tourists aren't really looking at it. But I guess it's trying to keep things fresh and um, try to stay excited about it. And I think that I can, maybe that is that is one thing about drinking that, I don't know, I've had some of my most, in, some of my best ideas have come on like really bad hangovers. Really? I don't know why. I think maybe it's because I got taken to another place and then I get like, jolted back into myself the day after and I'm like whoa uh, what what's up what what and then I can kind of try to get in the saddle of that and I don't know I mean some of the worst ideas I've had are, well I can't really write when I'm drunk at all well there's a certain type of mania that you can sometimes get with a hangover a certain type of weird energy I remember some of the most sort of um, full throttle performances I've given in Edinburgh were on quite apocalyptic hangovers because you just don't leave anything in the tank because there's nothing in the tank. And it's a bit like Sherlock Holmes said, he's, and, and it's not true scientifically, but he said, 
you know, I'll, I'll go two days without eating because what the stomach gains in blood supply, the brain loses, which is not true. However, there is something about that, you know, running on fumes. Sometimes those fumes give you a bit of a spring in the step. Totally. I think, yeah. And, and um, for audiences as well, I don't know, when they see a hungover performer, I think especially in Edinburgh when, I don't know, maybe it's not hangover, but when you get to the end of the fringe and like you're just like, oh, I feel like a bit of a shell here. And I've I've been through quite a lot this month and I'm pretty sure that nothing anyone can say can make me feel anything on stage. And there's kind of a freedom to that. Well, what we're going to ask you to do at this evening, Rob, is to view pubs afresh, but also to have sort of pre-existing knowledge of pubs in your head. So sort of sort of bit of both, really. Because if you did constantly live without context, then I think life would be a bit too overwhelming. It'd be like be like showing a, a sort of Victorian avatar in th- in in 3D. <laughs> Whereas you need to take them through. First, there's the video of the train going through the tunnel, which everyone thinks is a real train. Then you've got sort of silent films. You know, then, you know, the ones in the 50s. The ones in the 50s. Yeah, Godfather Part 2. Jaws. Titanic. Avatar in 3D. Rob, let's start start with where you grew up. What was the pub scene? I grew up in a village called Barnby Moor that is quite near Pocklington. Pocklington has an art centre um, that used to be the cinema. So there was a... In Barnby Moor that is about 12 miles outside of York, there was a pub that's called the Boots and Slipper and it's always been called the Boots and Slipper. It's never changed its name, but the owners have changed. There used to be a pub football team. I think there still is a pub football team, but that wasn't somewhere that I used to go. I was thinking today about my first, um, well, my first alcohol experience. I can talk about that if you like. That was when, I think it was some sort of birthday, and we found ourselves, was with my dad's, mum and dad, my granny and my nan and papa, we called them. Um, And I was with my cousins and it was that age when we were about 14, I think, maybe 13 or 14. And we were at this kind of night do. It might have been a wedding or a birthday. And my nan was buying us uh, what she thought was lemonade, but it was actually hooch. She just kept on buying it for us and... um, we got absolutely hammered on it and it was amazing really and I've just started to think about that like having cousins the same round about the same age is a real privilege really and um, I haven't really thought about that too much but when uh, we were there and uh, yeah hooch was the first thing that uh, ever got us drunk. Well I guess cousins can bring you all the fun of a brother or sister but without a lot of the baggage a lot of the sort of the like favoritism or attention or who's in trouble or whatever. They're like friends you have a connection to. Yeah, big time. Especially when you haven't seen them for a while as well. When you get a little bit older, you meet up with them. And you're like, oh, we've got loads in the tank. Like we've, we've been through loads of stuff together. But I, the main place where I used to go to the pub, I remember I went to sixth form and did my A-levels in Pocklington and um, the school was about half a mile outside from the centre. 
And I remember those times when we were, you'd go to um, church at Christmas time in the morning and then kind of have the afternoon off almost. And I remember we just went down the pub and I caught the school bus back and I went up onto the top deck and got on the back seat, which I never did before. But because I was kind of, I'd had a few pints, I had the um, the grit within me to sit on the top seat at the back of the bus because I'd had a few pints for the first time. It's so weird how you forget all of those things when you were growing up, like with the front or the back of a bus, had a big significance. Whereas now, if I got on a bus, I would just take whatever seat. But there was like, you know, the cool kids are at the back of the bus. So what if cool kids get on? Or what if they're already on? Would I dare to sit at the back of the bus? Whereas now I just sit sort of... I would probably avoid any cool kids because they might be smoking vapes. Wouldn't you be vaping on the back seat of a bus, though? Yeah, I vape everywhere. I just got a new um, <laughs> I just got a new electronic cigarette and it counts how many puffs you do. Right. And I'm on about 650 a day. <laughs> You're very good at a discreet vape, John, I've got to say. Yeah, I think it's probably my best skill is vaping without people noticing. Though, I did get caught vaping in a pub in Edinburgh with you, Rob. You were there. Ah, well, you see, that's because you're, like, vaping in overdrive. (laughs) 60 a minute, yeah. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So, Rob, we're going to start building at your dream pub. We'll talk about maybe what it's going to look like a bit later on, but what are your draft options, please? Okay, draft 
options. <laughs> um, look, I've written it all out, look. I don't know if you can see that. Oh, brilliant. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very detailed, right? It looks like the book from Seven. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No. The only thing I've written in big letters is spirits. Um, okay, so drink selections. Two times draft. Um, the first one I would like to have in the pub is Landlord. Timothy Taylor's Landlord. Yeah. It's a favourite of Robin's, I know for sure. Mm. It's a good drink, isn't it? One of my dad's favourite drinks, and I've just been on it recently. It's a, I really like the... Um, what is the... Sorry, like the emblem that is on the tap. And it's a logo. Do they have a specific name for the oval that they put on taps? Uh, pump clip. I like the pump clip of Timothy Taylor's Landlord. So that's my first one. And the second would be something that I had in Prague when I was at university. And it was very much within the pub experience of the place, which is the Golden Tiger. Oh, I've been to the Golden Tiger. Have you? Yeah. I think I've mentioned it in in the Moon Underwater before. Yeah. Oh, it's a great place. Yeah. So they had, what is it? It's it's like one drink, isn't it? Unpasteurized Pilsner. Yeah. Urkel, yeah. So that would be the other one, and it would be served in the same way as they serve it in there. Is that where you get a little piece of card, and the waiter writes down how many you have, and there's just another guy just constantly pouring pints, isn't there? So you go in, and you don't go up to the bar. You just sit down, and then it's only one drink. There's no soft drinks or anything. It's just one one size, one drink of Pilsner, and then they put it down, and once you finish it, they give you, it's like a tally chart, isn't it? Mm. And um, and then they just keep on filling up your glass until you say, no, don't want any more. And when I was there in 2005, I don't know, I, it was, I think it was less than a pound of drink. And I just loved that, and I would love to have some sort of the energy of that uh, to be within the pub that I that we're going to create, yeah. I guess the thing I like about it is it's one of those things where it feels in a way like you're in a bit of a touristy place, but you're sort of not because it is working. It's not just a, you know, there are locals there as well. It's not just tourists. And it is, um, it just f- feels like it, you're just tapping into something his- more historical rather than just sightseeing. You know what I mean? Definitely, yeah. I think that the the way that the locals are in there is something that's so normal to them. But you just don't get that, do you, in in, in England? And um, it's probably for good reason. Yeah, I don't think the tally chart would agree with the British psyche. Do you know what I mean? Because it would be too much of a challenge. Well, I was going to say, has this place ever been in danger of sort of being overcome by stag dudes trying to break records and things? Well, I don't know. What do you? Th- I don't. I don't think so. I don't know. Actually, what do you think, Robin? I th- I just like to think the waiters would give stag parties short shrift. I think there's enough locals in there who absolutely love it and don't want it to change for it to uh, have quite a hard, um, tough shell. Yeah. I went to the pub and I had a drink with my friend. It was really nice. The pub was called the Moon Underwater.
Well, we've got Timothy Taylor's landlord and Urquhal unpasteurized pilsner served with tally chart. I'm going to put that down. Yeah. And that's a nice balance already, I have to say. I like it. There's something for everyone pint-wise. Uh, but what are we going for, cans and or bottles? Bottles. My first bottle is Estrella. Interesting. It's an obvious one. I imagine a lot of people have put that. But that is because I've got a memory of being outside on a hot day playing numerous sports with a really good group of mates and having a big bucket dustbin full of ice and bottles of Estrella. It, I don't know, I just I just was just drinking them so quick. And I love a brown bottle, a brown glass bottle. And I was trying to think, I wonder why I like brown glass bottles so much. I'd like to speak briefly about one of my, I think it's because it's, it's one of my favourite drinking scenes in any film, which is the roof tarring scene in Shawshank Redemption. I, t- I knew you were going to say that as soon as you said It's such, such a great observation, the brown bottle. Uh, I, I just, you know, when you kind of see the sun kind of glinting through it a bit, and then I love it. I looked it up today, what he actually says, Morgan Freeman, is like, we sat and drank with the sun on our shoulders and felt like free men. Hell, we could have been towering the roof of one of our own houses. We were the lords of all creation. I love that. Mm. And I just think that, you know, especially when it's really cold and you pick it up. I mean, it's making me want to have an Estrella now, actually. But, um, yeah, that's that one. And then the next one is... Where do we go? Um, Argus. French lager from Lidl. Nice. Um, Stubbies. Yeah, Stubbies. Low alcohol, 2.5% volume. You can get eight. For, it was one ninety nine when, um, and they will be that price. So it's twenty five p. Oh, so you're selling them at cost? Yeah, I like that a lot. What's your association with the Argus? That was my drink of choice in lockdown. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember filling up one of the wheelie baskets? You know, the blue ones with the black handle on, and pulling it along, and just putting like four in, four things of eight and um, or ten. I don't kind of remember. But yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I think there's something, you can't really get drunk on those, but it, it makes you feel, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I just love cheap stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's the per- it's the perfect five o'clock beer, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Mm. And there's also that line in the Shawshank Redemption where Tim Robbins says, I think a man feels more like a man if he's got 40 Argus French lager <laughs> Lidl from Lidl in his hand. So all I ask is 40 beers a piece for my, my co-workers. Yeah. <laughs> that, the, the prison guard has to be careful that he doesn't give them an inch and they take a mile in that situation, doesn't he? You know? Yeah. yeah. We ask for beer. Beer means 40 bottles of Argus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Each. <laughs> yeah. Also, the uh, the actor that plays uh, the prison guard there, Clancy Brown, plays the Kurgan in Highlander. Oh, really? I saw him in another film as well. I can't remember what it was. He's a superb actor. He's in Promising Young Woman. Oh, yeah. Anyway, it's just a Queen connection. Yeah, sure, sure. Because he's on a Queen album. He's on uh, a kind of magic. 
Amazing how you managed to get that back to Queen. <laughs> well, that's why I mentioned it, because he's the Kurgan. So we've got Argus French Stubbies, 2.5%, which is such a good amount of percent mm. uh, for a stubby. Estrella, served in Shawshank-style buckets, those sort of tin buckets, I would imagine. Urquell, unpasteurised Pilsner, served with a tally chart, and Timothy Taylor's Landlord. It's a very beer-based pub so far. Um, not to throw forward to your other choices. Are you not a cider drinker? Well, that brings me on to something I'd like to speak about, actually, because one thing I forgot to say about this pub is that it has been blessed with the magic that this pub, with every drink that is served, it gives you the feeling that you get from the first drink after you've sat, set up your tent at a festival. So, you know that specific feeling of you've been slogging it and then you're like, you just crack open a can. But that would be Scrumpy Jack, yeah, cider. That's my, like, some of my best times at Glastonbury have been, like, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to take, I'll take some cans with me. I normally only take about mm, four cans of, like, decent cans of, uh, well, four cans of Scrumpy Jack, and then I'd just have spirits and buy beers there, basically. And, uh, yeah, Scrumpy Jack on the hill there, but I didn't put that in. Mm. So do you think... Because this has been a sort of an amusing bone of contention between me and Robin in the past. Do you think that delayed gratification increases the pleasure of, of a drink? So what I worry would happen if me and Robin went to Glastonbury and did exactly that, I would sit down for my first can of Scrumpy and Robin would have had two cans of Stella on the train on the way there. Guilty. Guilty as charged. So... He might have had a better journey, but I would argue that my first can of Scrumpy having erected the tent would be more glorious for not having had two cans of Stella on the train. But I would like Robin to be able to make the case of the defence. Um, I'm torn because when Rob described that first beer after setting up your tent at a festival, I felt like I was there. I vividly remembered going to Glastonbury one year and the first night, that Thursday night, there was a beautiful sunset. And I remember sending John a, a photo of it, uh, saying Avalon Sunset, like the Van Morrison song. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, it's like the Avalon connection to Glastonbury and stuff. But it, it, I had one of those Nokias, and it it autocorrected to Cuckoo Sunset. Because <laughs> you remember when you used to press the, sa- the same buttons, like C was on the one, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. So it was C and A. Predictive so text, wasn't it? yeah. Uh, cuckoo sunset, cuckoo Avalon, but yeah, no, that feeling was amazing because you're not tired, and the whole weekend is ahead of you, and it's just like it, that is a really goosebumpy moment. But and again, like another memory came back, which was going to Reading when we were in, like sixth form, and it was all pre-mobile phones, so pre-cuckoo Avalon, and we you just had to meet by the gate. Do you remember that? <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, and. Like 80,000 other people had arranged exactly the same meeting place. Yeah. You might as well have said, meet in the 80,000 people. (laughs) Yeah. But it worked, though. I don't know how pre-mobile phones, just stuff like that worked. And, yeah, you just just meet and then you'd find your campsite. That was that first evening at a festival. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. 
I think that goes back to enjoying the beginning of things, but I think everyone enjoys the beginning of festivals, don't they? Yeah, no no one's saying like, oh, I can't wait for it to be eight hours in when, you know, someone's given us some bad pills and I've dropped my phone in the toilet and I don't know where it's got on me, but when I got it out, some got on me. When do you first start becoming aware of the end of a festival? Because I feel like Friday, you're completely in the present moment. Saturday afternoon is like the climax, but there's a tinge of awareness that it's sort of halfway coming to an end. And then Sunday, you can feel a bit bluesy. I really, last time I went to a festival, I thought, okay, yeah, maybe it's best to leave on a Sunday morning. Mm. It depends what's on, though, doesn't it, on a Sunday night? As you get older, the worse hangovers get, obviously, and then you're like, whoa, I don't know if I can, this is going to be really tough tomorrow. Mm. But uh, I don't think there's any point in putting it off, is there? May as well just go for it. Do you think that that sort of there's something slightly tragic about sort of people who go to Glastonbury on the Tuesday? I don't mean tragic in a kind of lame, but I mean that it's like they're trying to extend that feeling. But yet, what that means is by the Friday, when usually you'd be you'd be feeling that wonderful excitement you're already kind of wrecked absolutely we used to go on the wednesday all the time and buy so and then when you get there on the wednesday and you're like going into the rocket lounge or whatever and like oh there's some live music and everyone's kind of really going for it and like seeing mick artistic or whatever and going oh yeah this is the best thing ever and then thursday a little more opens up and then friday there's just it's just everywhere and it's complete barrage you're like oh i can't take it i love it you were poet in residence, was it at last the last Glastonbury last year? I was, and that, when, what year was that? Twenty fourteen. Wow, I think. Yeah, nice. that was quite intense. What were your duties? Um, I had to write as many poems as I could um, <laughs> throughout Glas- throughout the festival. <laughs> so and it wasn't uh, just a clever name. <laughs> yeah, and I I, um, I started writing them in the queue for the National Express coach. And then I wrote them on the coach, and then I wrote pretty much all the time. And you get you get holed up in a um, porter cabin behind the um, pyramid stage, but they get put on the Glastonbury Twitter handle and on the website, and so a fair amount of people see them, and you've got to write them quite quickly. Mm. So the quality control it, it was a tough gig actually, because and you don't I don't think any of my friends were there that year, so you're there on your own. Oh right, weird, yeah. I kind of thought, oh yeah, Glastonbury would be fine. I'll just, you know, peace and love. And uh, I'd been there a few times before. But I think as it's gone on, it's harder to get a ticket. So is it more difficult to penetrate groups if you're there on your own? I think they're like, who's that witness? Maybe that's just me. But I found it uh, quite a challenging experience. I'd do it again, though. Was it like being Poet Laureate in that you were just sort of paid in a firkin of uh, Red Stripe or something? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Now, I said to them, uh, Argos French Lager, 199 right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, what a treat it is to have you here, Rob, and we're going to have more of your selections in part two. But before then, we have to string every single listener up on an individual tenterhook as uh, Rob and Alan deposes the questions for this week's Moon Underwater Pub Quiz.
Okay, everybody, hands out, eyes down. It's time for the quiz. He played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger. That wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey have been deducted five points. Oh no, it's the Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. And this week we're asking, does size matter? Yes, because this week's quiz is about size, specifically height. Specifically, is one thing taller than another thing? Three questions on relative heights and the answers in part two. So, question one is, which is taller, the Statue of Liberty, including its pedestal, or Big Ben? And by Big Ben, I mean the Elizabeth Tower. I know that Big Ben is the name of the bell. So that's question one. Question two. Which is taller, the Chrysler Building in New York or the Shard in London? Le Shard. And question three. Who is taller, Richard Osman from Pointless or Greg Davis from Taskmaster? Both tall men. So there we go. There's your height-based quiz. Very good questions there, Robin. Big fan of that. Uh, we will return to Rob Orton's Dream Pub in part two. But before we go, do head over to moonunderpod.com to follow us on Patreon in exchange for money. <laughs> so it's not just a case of following. Uh, but then you also get access to the bonus podcast Behind the Door Cellar. Did we work out what Behind the Cellar Door was in French, Robin? Mm, maybe may we uh okay so we'll leave we'll leave that uh, <laughs> leave that tantalizing prospect of knowing what behind the cellar door is in french and we'll see you very soon Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.